Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor. This podcast is brought to you by a partnership with Missio Alliance and Kairos Partnerships. Uh, For the last few weeks, we've been talking about mentors and the importance that they have in our lives. And so I'm really excited for this show today because it is a recorded conversation between myself and my mentor, uh, Branson Roberts. Uh, Branson was a pastor for 50 years. Um, he pastored a few different churches, one uh, up in Boston, one in Washington, D.C., one in um, Fairview Village, which is a northeast suburb of Philadelphia, and in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, and so this conversation for me is extremely special because you all have an opportunity to learn from uh, the person who really shaped deeply my understanding of what it is to be a healthy pastor and what it is to faithfully serve the church. Um So enjoy the conversation with my friend, Branson Roberts. Thinking through our conversation last week, just the opportunity just to share, you know, some of the things that we talked about. I was really taken back by the way you talked about the things that sustained you in ministry in terms of prayer and memorizing scripture and, and, you know, just life, you know, life looking back on ministry, you know, like what, what's how it really shaped you and some of the good, good, good things and hard things and, and all that. No, I did want to say to follow up on that. I, um, about the memorizing scripture. And as I said, I don't think that's something that, people, you have to recommend people to do. I think there's, for young people, I think there's some value in it. Uh-huh. And, and but I think for ministers, you know, we deal with the scriptures all the time. So even though we haven't memorized them, we, we are aware and they, we can, we're often reminded of things that we have. And one of the things that happened to me, it came since we talked, um, it was a couple of years after I had done a lot of memorizing and I had gone up to to be at the college church at ENC, and I wasn't memorizing anymore. But just because it was all in there, you know, things would happen, and I get thoughts and ideas. And one of the things that came to me out of that, uh, and there were a few minor steps to get there, but the realization, what became a life verse for me, and I would say it uh, probably. Maybe your your group is not familiar with King James, but the way it says in King James is, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Mm. But my most of my memorizing, memorizing was in uh, what popular back in those days was Philip's translation. Mm. And so the way it says in Philip's translation, when all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your life, don't resent them as intruders but welcome them as friends, realizing that they have come to test your faith. And so that has become a a central part of my growing and thinking. You know, we all face difficult days, but the realization that God has promised that he is going to work through our difficulties to help us to grow spiritually or to become more Christ-like. Wow. I, I think that that is a word for pastors today. So what, what followed probably after coming to that realization 
it was after a move to another church when I moved to Grand Rapids. And I then the thought was, then I was struggling with, well, if this many good things come out of our struggles, would God make us struggle? Would he send different difficulties to us? Because knowing that good things were going to happen. Mm. So I played in my mind and thought about that. And I finally figured out that uh, God doesn't have to. There's plenty of stuff that comes in our fallen world. And, uh, and, others, and probably we bring a lot of difficulty on ourselves mm. uh, by things we have said or done or things we should not have said or done. Mm. And we get ourselves into different kind of difficulties. So God has a lot to work with mm-hmm. <laughs> in, uh, in, in our lives. And so I just determined that God is not in the business of sending any difficulties our way. We have enough of our own to work with. Mm. But he's, he's able to redeem them. Well, he redeems them. He's committed himself to use them mm. for our growing and our development in Christ-likeness. You get some similar thoughts in Romans chapter 5, 2, that tribulation work and patience worketh hope. Hope maketh not ashamed because of the love of Christ that is set abroad in our hearts. So, you know, there are different places. I think uh, there's some of it I picked up in Hebrews chapter 12, too. But this main portion in, in James 1, 1 was the one that became my life verse. Wow. And was there a specific circumstance that brought that out? Well, of course, I had memorized it. And so it was, it was in there. So it was there for the Holy Spirit to use when I, when I was ready for it or when he was. But what I, the first thing I remember of doing it, I was on the college campus, and I remember a student coming to me. His name was Frank. I think he's still in ministry today. And he, he came and he was having some kind of difficulty, you know, like a college difficulty with maybe a girlfriend or something. I don't remember exactly what the difficulty was. But I said, I shared with him then that what was new thinking for me that, uh, you know, God is going to use this to work in your life if you'll, if you'll let him, if you'll open up to what God's doing. So that was my first time to, uh, uh, to really make use of that new thought and that new insight. And uh, so that's, uh, then it has grown since then, the pastoring, you know, realizing that I could use that to help other people. Mm. Wow. That's, I feel like that's one of those spaces where that's where memorization becomes so important because it just gets into our, our being. And it's almost like a, it's like a deep reservoir to pull from constantly. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think it happens with pastors, not only because of memorizing, but because we work with the scriptures all the time and stuff does get in there. You know, it gets it gets in our mind. I I have had things brought to my mind and attention of things that I don't ever remember memorizing, but I know through childhood family devotions or I I read it somewhere, and at the proper time when I needed that, the Holy Spirit was able to bring that very strongly to my my attention, and I had to go and look where it was because. It was something new, but it was in there because I had read it probably several times before. 
Yeah. Wow. So I think, well, first of all, that's great, Branson. And, and again, I think even as we chatted uh, a week ago, just about this conversation, and you mentioned how, you know, I don't want to tell pastors on Monday morning that they need to memorize scripture. But I, I think what I, what I love about what I'm hearing you say is that, no, it's, it's, this is, this is the gift that, that we do have, you know, this memorizing this, the, these, these, these sacred words actually deeply shape our lives. And they, they come, and I think you're right. I can't tell you how many times I've been with a person or, or in a hard situation. And I just like the, uh, a word or a phrase clicks something in my brain. And it's like, I think about the narrative or I think about a specific passage in scripture and all of a sudden it's like this resource or this well of, you know, living water that just comes out. Yeah. It's uh, and and I can one outstanding experience in that way for me. It was when I was <clears throat> pastoring here in Grand Rapids and a, a gentleman who was a social worker was uh, counseling another young person and uh, his name was, the, the, the social worker who was a member of my church, his name was Jim. He called me one day and said, I, I'm having some struggling with one of my clients. Can we come and talk with you? So those two came into my office, and they were talking about the, the problem this young person was having in getting sick when he would come a Sunday and think about going to church. And they couldn't break through what was... Uh, so I listened to this for a while, and a scripture that I had memorized from 2 Timothy just popped into my mind. And the problem is a very, it's kind of a harsh word, but it came so strongly to me. I just said it to this young person, you have a, in 2 Second uh, Timothy, you have a moral problem and you know it. Mm. And the guy broke down crying. <laughs> and he looked and Jim was kind of surprised with me. He had been uh, had some kind of a uh, some kind of a repressed memory of something happened in, when he was a child in relation to a church, mm-hmm. and 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 it was so surprising to me. I have, in fact, for me, if I had thought about it, it sounds too harsh to you. <laughs> yeah, your pastoral but, instinct would have kicked in. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it, it came so strongly to me, and I just said it, and the guy broke down right away, and I, I was totally surprised. But there is something about the scriptures and about the Holy Spirit and how he wants to work through us if we're open to him. Mm. And I think of Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says you're supposed to put these things in your mind so you can think about them when you're sitting in your house and when you're walking along the way or when you're uh, lying in your bed. And today we might say when you're riding in your car. Mm. You can think about these things if you have them in your mind to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know for you, scripture memorization has been such a key part of just life as a pastor. What's the biggest chunk you memorized? And do you have any practical wisdom on how to memorize scripture for those that may feel like that's not a strength? Well, I can, a part of it is, uh, it's, I was, uh, I was, a. a on a staff at a church in Washington, D.C. And uh, I was like a associate pastor, youth pastor type of thing. And uh, I was there for four years. And there was one time, and I went to a seminar that recommended the idea of 
memorizing scripture. And the recommendation was use two separate translations so that when you're lying in your bed or walking by the way, you can think about both of them, how they interact. Mm-hmm. Well, so my thought was, I've just from Bible school and camp meeting and Sunday school, I'd learned quite a bit of King James. So the popular one in those days was Philip's translation. And so that's what I did. Hmm. And uh, it just so happened in Washington, D.C., I lived in, a, in the house, the parsonage that I lived in. It took me 45 minutes to drive to the church every day hmm. and then 45 minutes home. So what I would do, and every Sunday I would give the scripture by memory from the pulpit. I did it every Sunday for two years. And so I would start, you know, Monday, I would take a three by five card and I would write out the uh, 12 or 15 verses, whatever it was that I was going to memorize that week. And so I would start, and I can tell you because our kids counted them number of times, there were over 30 traffic lights between my home and the church. <laughs> so every red light, I would, I, I, one of the things I had to do was make sure I did not turn the radio on in the car. Mm-hmm. So I'd pull my three by five card out and I would read a verse and then I would just keep saying it till I got to the next red light. And then I'd pull the card out and I'd read the next verse. And I would keep saying the two of them till I got to the next traffic light. And I can say that just with that amount of time, uh, I was able to, by Wednesday, I could I would have it memorized. Mm. And then what I would do on Thursday and Friday, uh, my term is I would play with it. I would say it and I'd emphasize different words or I'd emphasize different phrases just to make it sound different. And then Sunday morning, I'd get up and and uh, say it in church. Wow. And I can remember, Doug, the first time I did that, I think it was I did uh, John chapter 14, um, in where Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And uh, so I, I just got up. And I said it with with the with meaning because I had played with it for two or three days, and then sat down, didn't think anything more about it. In those days, we still had Wednesday night prayer services, and uh, so we went to Wednesday night, and different people were talking about uh, my rote memory and how that and how they were so moved or blessed by it. Mm. So then I had a problem personally. Am I going to do this again because I like their adulation? Mm. Or am I going to do it again because somehow God has gifted me or helped me to do this? And I struggled with that for two or three weeks until I just thinking, well, apparently God has enabled me to do it. The people seem to enjoy it. So I did it for two years. Wow. Wow. So I would do... I did like the whole book of James, not at one time, but I'd do 10, 11, whatever the the thought was, I would do it a little bit at a time. The interesting thing about the book of James, one of the guys said to me in the church, I'll sure be glad that you're done with that because every day, it sounds, every Sunday, you're stepping on my toes <laughs> by what the things that James has to say, you know. 
So it was an interesting experience, but I think part of it was being in a situation where I had that time to do it. And I've never been in the situation since then to have that time where I'm every day driving that much back and forth. 30 stoplights sounds like that can only happen in Washington, D.C. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because we lived out in Maryland. And so it, and hardly anybody there lived either lived in Virginia or Maryland and drove into the district where the church was. Hmm. Wow. That's so that's how I was able to do that uh, that time. That is that's really that's really spectacular. I, I remember the first uh, the first sermon I ever heard you preach. You actually preached on that passage and you were at uh, it was at a funeral and I cannot remember whose funeral it was. But um, and I, I have that I have your notes from that because you sent them to me. <laughs> so that's oh that's really now that's going to get even deeper for me. I'm just going to keep going at that. That's cool. So the other thing that I know we've talked about is the importance of prayer. Um, yes. And you know you mentioned uh, prayer and fasting and and memorizing scripture is like three of those main pillars. So yeah, talk to us a little bit about prayer. Uh, <clears throat> well, I I. When I went to the, when I pastored here in Grand Rapids, where I'm now living again, uh, and I pastored here for 16 years, and um, I just, I was, I felt like I was a kid. I was only in my 30s, and I was pastoring this church of four or 500 people, and it was the first Nazarene church that had been ever established in the state of Michigan. And uh, so I, I felt I needed extra help. And for me, I, you know, I, I, I just prayer fasting. I, you know, just, uh, and I had, I think I mentioned to you some weeks there, I would meet at the church altar and some weeks, some other people would join me. Probably most weeks there were somebody else there and we just pray, uh, not a set amount of time. It didn't have to stay till one o'clock. Just we'd pray a while and then that was it. And, um, uh, so I, I just found felt like for me, I needed any help I could get. And, uh, and I surely needed God's help. Hmm. And so it was, uh, that was just my way of seeking for it and asking for it. And, and uh, so then I think I mentioned to you too, that before, just before we moved here, when I was still living in Pennsylvania, uh, I would walk four or five miles a day. And that's when I would do a lot of my praying for my family. And uh, we just had a reunion, and there were about, I think, 27 or 28 of them. And I pray for them every day of children and grandchildren. Hmm. And I think I shared with you when I stepped onto Harleysville Pike, and I was praying for my children and bless them, help them. And, and it felt like God was saying, well, I already have blessed them. And uh, so... Well, then I said, well, then teach me how to pray for my children, my family. And the next thought that came to me was the Lord's Prayer. Well, I said, that's kind of asking for more things. But I, I do it in the sense of choices that we have to make and I would like for them to make. And I've shared all of this with them as well. And I said, we have a choice that, that we, we make choices that will bring honor to our Heavenly Father or we make decisions and choices for his will to be done in our lives, even as it's done in heaven. We make choices to uh, stay far away from evil and temptation. 
and we make choices that, that ask God to so fill us with your love that we would love and accept other and forgive others as you have loved and forgiven us. And that's kind of uh, almost a daily prayer for my, my children and grandchildren. Mm. So I love that you've taken the, you really sense the Lord calling you to pray the Lord's prayer, but you've almost broken it into those three different spaces. Into those spaces and, and make, uh, the, you know, because they, God has blessed us and I'm grateful for that. And, but I, they, they have to make choice. We all have to make choices. Mm. And that's how I understand that my, at least my praying for my children and, uh, and I, you know, it's you know, having family in ministry is an interesting thing. I shared with my son Jeff, whom you know, that I was feeling a little hesitant to do this interview. I told him I didn't think I had anything to share, and he and his response was, "Well, Dad, what I appreciate was that you were a we were able to separate church life from family life." Mm. He says. Uh, yeah, obviously they were all involved in the church and in their activities, but there were times when we were away. We lived maybe not, we didn't live next door to the church. We, we were, lived some distance away, and uh, and it's for them as a family, it felt like we were family and besides always being at church. Mm. Yeah, I think that is definitely an important distinction. I I know for for me, that's been super helpful. I, and again, I, I mean, I, I was fortunate to play hockey with your son, Jeff, who is right, a right. fantastic hockey player. But I think even for me, just realizing how there is something so potentially difficult for pastors' kids and for pastors' family, for pastors' families that, that I, I feel like I've been really fortunate to glean from you and Dave Sharps and others just in terms of realizing, you know, you're, you're, and I, I can't, I think it was Dave Sharps that said this to me. He said, uh, you know, someday you'll leave the church and when you do, your family's going with you. And I yeah, thought, that's right. oh, that's, that's both, uh, I think it was just really freeing to, to recognize that. But yeah, so if you could just, just share a little bit like how, how long have you been in ministry and, and share some of your journey with that? Okay. I, um, <clears throat> I started in uh, September of 1964 and I retired in September of 2014. So that's 50 years, 50 years. Yeah. And I could have done it the previous month, but I decided I might as well make it a full 50 <laughs> and, uh, so that it was, it was good. A lot of different experiences, um, a lot of uh, things that uh, you know, in some ways, seem miraculous for me. Um, but um, I just feel like it was. I've had a good ministry. I, I feel good about it uh, in the sense that uh, no, no major, you know moral problems or anything like that. I'm thankful for the Lord's keeping power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what do you think was the hardest transition or maybe even it was a time, a time in your life, whether it was family time or yeah. What do you think has been one of the harder transitional times? <clears throat> when I was at the college church at uh, Eastern Nazarene College, it was the church that's right on the campus. I think you might have been there with some students or something at one time, but I was a co-pastor at that church. 
and and the uh, other pastor had invited me to come and join him there. And we, um, <clears throat> I preached half the time, and uh, and also uh, he he would take some. Um, responsibility like for teens and I would do young adults and then he would do another group and you know we just traded off the uh uh the things but um so that that went well uh, for a while and um you know some some difficulties developed um that uh, I don't know altogether what they were and I don't think it's really that important but eventually he asked me to leave and, uh, you know, in ministry, and I had four children at that time, so now where do I go? And uh, <clears throat> so he, he said, you know, you don't have to leave tomorrow, but, you know, find another place of, of ministry. And so that's, that was the impetus to, uh, to uh, eventually come to Grand Rapids. Uh, was uh, Joan and I flew out to interview with the board. and. And um, eventually they did give us that call and we were here with them for 16 years, but that was a difficult transition. Um, and a lot of times the scriptures and prayer would kind of help me through some uh, difficult days. Mm. Yeah. I, I know you talk about, and, and you've given me this book and on, on, on the inside of the, the book that I have, the, the guide to prayer, um, you said something as when I was 20, Gosh, I guess I was 22 years old. That book right there. Yes. But you told me, you said, uh, it's, it's the journey, not the destination. Right. I have that, I have that written in the, in the very front of my book. It says Branson Roberts. Then I have the quotes. Um, but I mean, I know you've been using that book for, as a guide to prayer for, for quite a few years. Yes. And And go ahead. Oh, when when we pastored here, I was using it. That's I just heard about it or discovered it while I was here in Grand Rapids and got it and liked it. And um, so on my staff, I bought it for all of them too. And then we would use it in our staff meetings and that type of thing. And just this week, I uh, I got the uh, uh, the third one that's out. Oh, there's another one. Well, there's two others. Okay. Uh, the one is guide for ministers and other servants. And then there's one that I, is a guide to prayer for all God's children. And this one is a guide to prayer for all who seek God. Ooh. And I got it through uh, Amazon. And uh, so I, I'll start that uh, right after Thanksgiving for a new uh, church, uh, church year. Begin in Advent. Yeah. That's, yes, right. I'll go ahead and include the link for those books in our show notes so people can get a hold of them. Um, <laughs> And I'll make sure folks know to write in the beginning. It's the journey, not the destination. <laughs> well, you know, I would. I don't know if it. Uh, maybe they should know or should mention that it's kind of centered around the lectionary, mm. and uh, and I did use that a lot in my ministry, and uh, the lectionary, and so all of the readings are around that, and um, I just I just find it helpful. I still use it every morning here, and. Um, and just been a helpful guide for me. Help. I just enjoyed it. Yeah. So thinking back over, well, in 2014, you retired. What has, right. what has, what does it look I mean, do you miss pastoral ministry or are you just, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant? Where are you at in that? Well, I, I did. I was, uh, 
when I retired, that's that Sunday, for the next several weeks, I did not go back to that church, Fairview Village. I went with my relatives to the churches that they attended. And so that uh, just because I knew if I went back to that church, I would be asked to do things. <laughs> so which, which was fine. And so I stayed away for a while. And then eventually I did go back and I did some Sunday school teaching and different things. But um, yeah, I have not had, I, other than a few funerals, I have not had um, a lot of occasion to preach. And it's okay with me. I, I did have some problems on pastoring that, that and, and what I'm sure is the reason I have not been often asked to preach. And the problem were not moral, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, the problems were a kind of a physical thing. And uh, five times while I've been preaching, I've had a, experienced a TGA. It's transient global amnesia. Mm. Now that means when I'm experiencing that, and as I say, it's always been while I'm preaching, uh, I have zero recall of what happens during that time. So obviously for me, I had to change my style and I, my style changed to having a, um, a, a, few, a full written out uh, sermon with me. And that's the way I got through those things. Mm. But when they were over, when it was over, I had no memory of doing it. And one of them was a funeral. And I had no memory of completing the funeral message, no memory of leaving the funeral home and getting into the car. Uh, on the way to the seminary, the way I experienced, my memory turns back on. And then I know what's happening from there on. And I can remember what happened. But in that, period of time, often a half hour, 45 minutes, I have zero memory of what takes what is happening. Hmm. But apparently people tell me I function okay. So there, for that reason, I didn't, didn't get asked, you know, like a lot of times a retired minister, they'll say, would you go in and fill in at this church or will you go fill in at this help that, you know, and sure you do that. But I never was asked because, uh, they never knew whether I didn't make it or not. Yeah. I, yeah, I, my sense is that even as you, as we, you know, swinging back around to the beginning of the conversation of the, the James passage of even yes. trial like that. So w w what kind of joy is being sowed from that trial? Uh, you know, I, it, I, I don't feel it's much of a trial. I think my biggest trial is taking care of my wife right now. Mm. who has had Parkinson's for 20 years. And uh, so, I, I, in fact, I've been talking to the Lord about that, you know, about that very same thing, you know. So what am I learning from this? One of the big things is patience. Mm. And I thought maybe I had a little bit before, but uh, I, I need a lot more. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I think... Um one of the things that I've just really appreciated about you, Branson, over the years of knowing you, because when, when I met you, um, Joan, I guess, was pretty recently diagnosed with Parkinson's. It was just before we moved to Pennsylvania. And so I think I, I remember in our conversation we had just a few days ago, you mentioned that your ministry right now is taking care of Joan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I, I'm, 
I'm grateful that you model well the things that you've preached uh, in your life. And yeah, what are some things that you're noticing even in this season, um, just that the Lord might be speaking to you? Uh, you know, patience you mentioned, are there anything else? Is there anything else? Well, um, I, I live in a retirement home. And uh, so there are 60 rooms here in the building I live in. And some of us are couples and some of them are singles. And uh, so we, uh, um, we meet together for lunch every day. We sit down at table. And uh, this is the only place of all of the places I visited, both in Pennsylvania and here, that has a, a spoken out loud prayer before the meal. Now, in some of the other places, you know, like in Southerton, the Mennonite home, or the Luther village where Joan's sister is, you know, people will bow their heads and pray, which is fine. But here, it's an, it's an announced time we're going to have prayer before the meal. So I have, I am one of the prayers hmm. here. And uh, so it's just a little ministry. Uh, you know, I was, uh, when I first came and I, before I started doing it, others were doing it. And I had the feeling that a lot of times they were saying the very same thing every time. And I said, well, and then when they asked me, I, said, I don't want to do that. I want to. So I started just other ways of uh, I would pray through the Lord's Prayer again. Uh, verse or you know phrase by phrase, and I prayed through the Beatitudes. Yeah. I prayed through. Um, uh, I'm currently praying through the Psalms. Yeah. It's uh, I'm at Psalm 79, and I try to find a phrase or something in each Psalm that I can build a lunch prayer around. And so the people here accused me of preaching, even in my praying. <laughs> so I try to build some kind of a truth to it. And so that's kind of what I'm doing here, my little piece of ministry here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have to confess that a lot of people call me pastor. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, no, I'm not. I'm retired. And, <laughs> but it's fine. We have a good relationship. Yeah. So it's it's here. I've been involved in a couple of funerals while since I've been here because I know a lot of the people in the the church where I previously pastored. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think I mean Branson. I feel like I could sit and my sense is I'm going to have to do this again just to gleam some more wisdom. But uh, just as we're coming to a close for this particular interview, the question I just want to ask is what what encouragement would you have for young pastors today? I'm, I'm not sure, Doug, I, you know, because uh, we, we really live in troubled times in our country. And, uh, and I, but it, I think the message of God's presence and healing is so, uh, so vital. And that's why I think that, uh, you know, what I was saying, because I know there's going to be difficulties and frustrations uh, I think it's valuable that they do have a relationship that even in their struggles and their disappointments, the, the, the honest awareness that God is at work, even and especially through those times. He's promised to be at work 
in those difficult times. And so I think that's uh, the kind of what I would just kind of go back a little bit where we started, but that's uh, that's the important thing for people today, for ministers, uh, that uh, God is at work. And even those times when it's difficult and painful, maybe he's especially at work. Mm. Wow, that is powerful. I could take his promise and his word, which I believe, uh, I think that's true. Mm. Yeah. Well, Branson, thank you so much. Um, if I could ask one more thing, uh, and would you mind praying for pastors and, and leaders today? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your promise to always be with us and never to leave us. We thank you for your inspired word, which uh, we can use as a part of our uh, daily living and, and food for our spiritual growth. We know that you promised uh, to send your word, uh, as Isaiah 55 said, you'll send your word much like you send the rain and the snow to water the earth. You send your word to, to help us to grow and to know about your working in our lives. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who makes such a difference in our lives. And I pray for each of the persons who may hear this podcast, that they might be aware of your presence in a new way and to know that you are at work in their lives, whatever it might seem like to them. We pray your blessing on each of them and their families. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're welcome. Uh, so grateful to have Branson um, to sit down and just record a conversation. Uh, funny story, when I was on staff with him at the church that I was at, we, we used to call him Yoda. And he would laugh and kind of walk by and say, yeah, you know, yeah, Yoda, Yoda, whatever. Uh, and we probably did that for, I don't know, I was there for nine years. So probably about five years, we just continued to call him that. And at one point in time, he came to me, this is like five years into it, and he goes, um, so who is Yoda? And I thought to myself, that's how holy this guy is. Like, he doesn't even know who Yoda is. So I was really impressed that I had a chance to share with him my love for Star Wars and Yoda, but that's the kind of guy that Branson is. Um, some of you are thinking, what are some resources? There's so many different things that we can take from this conversation. Uh, I love how he frames the idea of trials. Uh, and I feel like there's such a deep theological understanding of what that is. And I've watched him live that out really well. Um, and it was interesting. One of the other things that he didn't mention on the show, but that has been deeply shaping for me is uh, he used to teach a class. And the thing that he said about class is theology is nothing but the ongoing conversation about God and with God. And that has been such an open space for me to understand what it is to do the work of theology. Um, but in terms of resources, we would love it. Uh, I'll, I'll include in, in the links, the, the books, the guide to prayer books. They have been fantastic. Uh, I still use the one that Branson gave me all those years ago. Um, it is still an anchor for me. I really appreciate the rhythm that it has, um, just developed in my own soul, in my own life. Uh, and I think too, even just a question, uh, who's someone you can sit down with who is older than you in ministry and just have a conversation and, and be quiet, listen with a notepad and take notes to just understand how God has met them um, and how he might be meeting you in that moment. 
So um, for those of you pastors and leaders and people who are just listening because they are being deeply formed by the ministry that's happening through this podcast, may God meet you where you are. May you be reminded that the trials and temptations that you go through are never wasted. They're not caused by God, but God uses them in this unbelievably redemptive way to change and transform your life. 